the Educators Roundtable every Tuesday, 7.30 Facebook Live. Hi, it's me, Karen Gray, asking you to join me each week on a new podcast called The Road to Equity, where we discover and explore human interaction and connection. I am finally telling my story, and I want to empower others to do the same. I firmly believe that through shared experiences, lessons, and laughter, we can begin to change ourselves so we can change the world. Listen in on my weekly Eye on Equity as we navigate life filled with detours and pit stops meant to challenge us and show us a piece of who we are. So if you will, join me and buckle up for courageous conversations and insights to help change the narrative and close the gap on the road to equity. Hi, I'm Karen Gray. I am the founder of MK Results and also the author of The Road to Equity. It is on sale right now. You can pre-order it on Amazon. It comes out June 4th, but we're all about focusing on the five C's to construct an equitable classroom. Five from Principles for Success in Education here with beautiful young ladies ready to have a great discussion today again on a Tuesday Educators Roundtable. And now, Miss Engler. Hi, guys. How's it going out there? This is Toya. Talk time with Toya. And I am one of the consultants for MK Results. And I'm glad to be here again on another Tuesday. All right. And Andrea. Hey, guys. It's Andrea coming to you live from Birmingham, Alabama. I am so glad to be an equity advocate as well as a consultant here for MK Results, as well as editor for that awesome book that Karen McCarty wrote, Gray, Karen McCarty Gray wrote, that I cannot wait to get released, sorry. And we have Danielle. Hey friends, I'm so excited to be back with you again. I'm a consultant at MK Results, and I'm so excited. Awesome, guys, tonight we have a wonderful lineup, kind of some discussions about the end of the year wrap up with education as the, end, as the year comes to a close. We have lots of things um, that really is there going to be closure at the end of this year because lots of things were kind of left unsaid. You know, lots of people went, during spring break, I uh, thought, you know, they were going to come back to school and we are still on spring break, right? Uh, so we've got lots of uh, things to address. Gaps are continuing to widen. But in that, um, I kind of want to begin and have a temperature check with everyone. Uh, how are y'all doing? Could be better with the current news going around this morning and past couple of weeks. Uh, are just all like, hmm, not again, uh, not again. How do you guys feel? How are you guys? Well, I look at it this way, and um, this isn't nothing new. And I was explaining this to someone earlier. You know, this is just another televised, and it's just another thing that we've been saying has been going on for the past what, five, I mean, for 10 years, since I've been alive. So 
I mean, from Rodney King all the way up to here, we still haven't evidently approached what we can do about police brutality with uh, minorities and specifically black men. And, you know, it's hard because, you know, there is a target. And, you know, just watching that lady, lady in, in the park, in Central Park with um, the, the dog and just refusing to put the leash on, like the simple things that could get you uh, killed in America, you know? And as a black man, I guess one of the things I would admonish to everyone is just to stay alert and enjoy what we have here, you know, because this country is, I hate to say it, you know, just even being here for almost, you know, 40 years, having been around the world and and seeing what way different countries operate, this is the way the United States is gonna be for a long time. And I'm not saying that there's no hope, but what I am saying is that we have to adapt or either fight or adapt. You know, I'm gonna fight. And I kind of like took that into my mind today. You know, it was kind of like, you wanna lay down or you wanna get continuously drive, walk around, drive around with pins and needles on your back. So, you know, um, but there's ways to fight this. And so, but it can't, it can't happen without everyone working together, you know, and even now today, I just read, you know, posts where people are saying, well, he should have complied. <laughs> You know, like I saw, I said, well, it may have been a criminal and he should have been detained. He was in handcuffed for a reason. And then I looked at it and I saw he had bounced a check. Now, I know I've bounced a check before. And I'm, that's just a real, real thing that I've done. And so if somebody would have called the cops on me and I've been laying out there on the concrete with a knee to my neck and somebody said I should have complied for bouncing the check, which I don't know. Does anybody get, I, I know there's a fine. But is that even an arrestable offense? You know? And so when we get to that point where we're justifying murder as a country, where half of people, you know, it's already the divide. Every time there's a situation like this. Right. You know where one side is gonna think, you know what the other side is gonna think. You know, and it's almost like exhausting trying to say it's the same thing over and over again. You know, it's just to me, you know, it's a battle that um, we kind of like waved the red, white flag on in 2016, just being honest. If we don't do nothing in 2020, we're going to keep doing the same things over and over again. And it's going to get worse because you're going to get four more years, four more judges. You're going to have police officers placed in cities with KKK affiliations. It's going to continue to go on. You know, definitely. We definitely have to start addressing uh, and having yeah. a conversation about things yeah. that are uncomfortable. And it, this right. can be an uncomfortable conversation for many people, but it's uh, true life and people's true story that you're speaking to. Yeah. So absolutely. And I thank you for sharing that. Yeah. You know, um, I just like to put everything together. Cause I like to wrap things in a, a big circle. So I look at how education wraps around this, the criminal justice system, 
the school, the school to prison pipeline, prison, my mass incarceration, politics, how all of these things from the top, how everything we've done since 2016 has gotten us to this day. And that's what's interesting is because I remember when Eric Gardner got choked out. And watching that video, that was a video I watched and I literally did cry. Like it was like something, cause that looks like my best friends or like my brothers, you know? And then watching somebody lay on the ground like that, that guy looked just like, you know, looked like me. And I would say the same thing with Ahmaud Avery. It looked like me running down the street. I ran all the time. Right, right. And so, I mean, I'm not gonna say, you know, I can't say that it won't happen to me because there's a possibility. So, this is America. And that's why it's so important that everyone gets involved and they do their part. And, you know, we make friends with people who don't look like us and we start to have those conversations, those uncomfortable conversations, you know, um, and that's what it starts. We have to be the change. We have to be registered to vote. We have to start talking about things, you know? Well, since you mentioned temperature check, I would say I'm 101 degrees overwhelmed. 101 degrees overwhelmed. Like when I hear what's going on in society, when I see what's going on just around in my community, when I, then I start to zero in on my own home and like my own land and things that I have going on. It's just like there's just so much going on. And in a way there's control, but then you look at the other end and things just seem really out of control. There are so many unanswered questions. And for me, unanswered questions cause me to feel anxious and overwhelmed. Um, I'm, I'm, I feel a little bit nervous because I'm wondering where is the end to all of this? Like, and we keep saying about the coronavirus that there is no end date. Um, but it seems like not only is the coronavirus getting worse, but like Harrison just said, it's like the racial temperature is getting hotter and hotter and higher and higher. Where is this tension coming from? Like, what is going on? Like, again, that, that big unanswered question about what's going on, where's the solution, and how quickly can we get to it? That got me 101 degrees over there. Yeah. yeah. So we're kind of all really trying to kind of put things together and understand, just like everyone else. Um, and for many people, we have to understand the value of people's stories. And I think so many people don't value other people's story or value other human beings or you know and so we have to really start looking at our value system and really starting to shape a conversation that doesn't perpetuate the narrative but it starts to break down those barriers and in speaking of that that brings us to the quote that we talked about last week when i pulled the topic um, and that quote is reading um, from that it's by george elliott but it says, hear everything and judge for yourself. Hear everything and judge for yourself. And so I kind of want to just talk about that for a few minutes from each of your perspectives. What does that mean for you? Um, and again, we're here to really share our experiences um, as educated professionals who have you know, a wide variety of experiences. We all come from different backgrounds. And we're here to just really have these conversations that not only um, we're 
it's, it's a healing process for us to talk about some of these things that are uncomfortable that sometimes are swept under the rug. So, um, and it's also a way for other people to hear our stories and, and what impacts us on a daily basis sometimes. Um, and on, on a daily basis at all times, especially I can't, you know, speaking to the African-American man experience, you know? Um, so hear everything and judge for yourself. Who'd like to begin? I don't know who coined the phrase, uh, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Um, I'm sure we've all heard that before. If you don't stand for something, then you'll fall for anything. And so when I look at this quote, I juxtapose this piece. You know, I hear everything that's going on, you know, and some of it I understand, a lot of it I do not. But based off of what I do understand, I feel like I have to take my own personal position on every issue that, that's plaguing our society. I have to have an opinion because I have to like, I have to be prepared to start conversations and also participate in conversations. I find myself in a workplace where I am the minority. I am the only African-American upstairs where I work, period. And the only African-American female um, in my type of position, period, on my job. And with that being said, a lot of conversations are raised around me. And I have to not only be privy to the social issues and the things that are going on, but like this says, I have to have been prepared to have heard what was going on, judge it for myself, and stand for something and give my honest opinion so that I can defend or I guess you can say offer my perspective to the conversation. We have a responsibility, you know, like he said, what was the last part of that quote? on mute. Hear everything and judge for yourself. You know, that's just, to me, you know, uh, we have to start looking at things as they really are. I think sometimes we leave, I think the key thing in there is everything. We leave out details and, and the details that make a big difference in every situation you know like for example this situation this guy was a cop he probably has a life outside of being a cop you have a guy that's a man that's on the ground being killed and he has a whole life outside of there we don't know what their day was like before they got to that very moment i know you have you seen crash or those type of movies like that where they go through all these entire entire scenarios of their life and all of a sudden they end up in a crash and now they're angry at each other and somebody wants to kill a lot of this person so mad why they do road rage why was there why they fight with this person that's because of something that happened prior to that exact event and so every moment i think we have to take in everything that's uh everything that we uh hear but you know i've just worked on getting away from judging because I think discernment is more important than judging because you have to be able to say, you know, what's good for you and what's not good for you. And, and that to me is because uh, of the perspective on what we might think is sad, is horrible. Like, honestly, this entire, you know, thing was horrible, but the perspective from another individual might be, well, maybe they, shoot, whatever, whatever positive thing they can get out of it, there's going to be. And so 
I guess that judgment is personal. Well, about your perspective thing at the end, like, you know, being um, a waitress and a bartender, whatever, um, this is, we were in a meeting, a team meeting, and um, the beginning of the meeting for the beginning of the shift. And our boss was like, listen, perception is that person's reality. He goes, it doesn't matter if you know for a fact that they were sitting there for only five minutes those people call you over and say, hey, what's up with my food? Why am I not here? I've been waiting here forever. When in fact, they only been fit, sitting there for five minutes and appetizers are supposed to come out in eight minutes, you know, or whatever, eight to 10 minutes. I can't remember, how, you know, what we used to serve and how we had to have it out there that eight fast. Minutes. <laughs> it's Texas Roadhouse. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> so, you know, they got good service, right? Worked there for seven years. So, hey, it is what it is. Can't call in sick there ever. There's no sick days there. I just want you to know. <laughs> so what I'm saying is your perception is your reality. So, you know, you hear everything, you judge everything. So even if, what well, I think this quote is telling you is stop. Think, you know, think outside the box like you're saying. Think and put your, plate, your feet in their shoes, you know. And also, too, when I think about hear everything, I think you need to take in and make sure that you have all the facts first everything even though you know of course how it is is like there's your truth my truth and then the truth you know what i'm saying um for instance i last night i was at um an event um and i was in you know backyard little barbecue whatnot and i they were talking about i was trying to figure out what i should post on facebook because i was going against another person like in funny meme attack but this person was white i'm black and i was like ah i don't know because i wanted to post the one where the the black guy is like look look at me i'm the captain now you know like that and i was like but he's a white guy I was like and i only met him one time so i don't know if he would understand my humor or if he'd be like what are you trying to say you know you telling me that look at and i was like ah so i was talking to another person i was like dude i don't even know how if i should post this i gotta find something else and he was like you know what that makes it so hard these days whenever the humor and this and that and people can see things for different ways he goes yeah you just gotta play it safe and it's like you're walking on eggshells sometimes and i go that's true and so then they chimed in and said, oh, let me tell you about, oh, you heard what um, Biden said about if you're not voting for me, then you're not black. And I was like, yeah. He goes, that's some Democrats just say some of the stupidest stuff. Ho, 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 you Democrats. And I went, Err. and I said, dude, all both candidates are saying stupid stuff. They're all saying irrational, ignorant things. Okay. I said, so we can just throw that one out the window. I said, unless we're just looking at policies or whatever, both parties are saying Oh, oh, what about Nancy Pelosi? And then he starts saying, he's done so much for you black people. And I went, but it was not the time or the place to get into that. I was not in my home. I was in that person's home. Instead, I just took a step back and I said, eh, let's pause for a moment. Did you hear the words that were coming out of my mouth? I said, are you not telling me that both parties don't say irrational things? I'm not talking about their politics. I'm not talking about what they've done for me. I'm not talking about what they've done for whoever. I'm not talking about the changes they made foreign policy. I am asking you straightforward. Can you not agree that both people have said some asinine things? And he's like, oh, well, yeah, I can agree on that. I said, see, you were jumping down my throat. You were trying to be louder than me. But I was like, dude, I don't care. I'm about to, I don't care. I will keep going louder than you. I said, don't, don't try to over talk me. That's what we're not going to do. Everybody else got up and walked away. That right there made me say, you know what? You guys knew what I was trying to say. You guys were all like understanding what I said. 
But instead of stepping in and saying, man, did you even hear what she had to say first? All of you got up and literally walked away and left us right there. And then when we were talking later, y'all were like, well, that was crazy. He was crazy, wasn't he? I can't believe you said that. You said it to me in my ear in a whisper, but you were too afraid to tell that person that they were wrong. Now that's like me walking down the street, seeing somebody, for instance, videotaping something and watching the crime go down. And instead, you know, it's wrong, but you didn't step in. You know, you just want to be like, well, I knew it was wrong, but ah. And that's what I think you mean by everybody needs to come together. You all got to say it. You all got to speak up. You all need to take out the time and lift up your voices. You know it's wrong, but instead of wanting to step on toes, you don't want to walk, you know, you're just stepping on eggshells. You're like, I don't want to hurt nobody's feelings. You let this person get that's killed. A, you let this happen. That's a good example. Right. That's a good I, example. And it, it also begs to bring up a, another uh, topic, too, with the author Glennon Doyle with Untamed, that author uh, actually said, women, and, I, and I'm taking this to mean with everyone, is that she said that we have to start stripping ourselves of our allegiances, of whether that's to parties, of, of all of these things that sometimes that put us in this box. You know, whether, whether, you know, that sometimes we necessarily may not uh, agree or some things may be not just, it, it's not helping move some things forward. And so it's all about being that untamed person of who you are and being true to yourself, you know, despite policies or, or anything, but it's like you said, stepping up and even whenever it's, it's, it may be uncomfortable for someone else. We can't sacrifice the uncomfortable feelings that other people may have just because, because they don't want to hear the truth at times. And I'm glad that you do have to sometimes take a stand. And that's a risk that we take sometimes too, just as black women of being seen as though, almost as though we're, you know, trying to be combative or just but really, we're just trying to be heard. We're simply just trying to say, did you really hear what I was trying to say? And your point was perfect to that because at the end of it, circle back, that they really didn't hear what you said because that would have uh, negated that whole rest of the conversation and taken it there if you would have just listened to my story. Exactly, exactly. You know what's interesting, y'all talk about putting yourself in a box and restricting yourself by the labels and, and what you're doing. Uh, you know, with the Joe Biden statement, uh, Charlemagne had a good question. And he said, "What well, I just want to know, after Joe Biden said, you ain't black, he said, it had nothing to do with Trump. I just want to know what you're going to do for my community, specifically. And you know what he said? Oh, look at my voting record. Look at what I did with the rights act. And he went on his past. And the first thing that comes to your past is mine would be 94 crime bill for a lot of people. And if, and what I, uh, as a person that, you know, I, I'm to consider myself a moderate and independent, I looked at it and I was like, I'm support this guy. But I'm gonna hold him accountable for what he's saying. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm gonna vote, but people are like, well, you're not gonna vote for, just vote for Biden. You're not gonna, you're crazy. I said, no, I'm still gonna hold him accountable. Just like, I didn't hate George Bush, but I knew 
that I had to, there are things that he was doing I did not like. You know what I mean? I didn't dislike Bill Clinton, but there are things that he did I did not like. Same with Obama. So when they say stuff, you, you have to be a certain, a certain, you have to think a certain way every time something happens. Then that's what we cause friction. That's what we cause issues in our life. Because a lot of times, we, a lot of people don't even believe what they say. They just say stuff to like, you know, hear themselves talk or just to make puff up their own vain ego and get people to look at them. But, you know, this is the time. We can't afford to be silent now. That's, it's too late for now to be a silent. And as we look at the end of the school year, it is May. It's the May end of the year wrap up. I know this is the time of year. Here are my keys. Here are my keys. I'm turning everything in. It's the end of the year wrap up. And with that end of the year graduation class of 2020, how are y'all feeling with the end of the year now that it's here? Ninth, I mean, this whole school year, 1920, was, I mean, what's one word? If you had to use one word to describe the school year, what would you say? Fluid. <laughs> Fluid. Redo. That's what my <laughs> district tells me to say. Oh. <laughs> oh God, that's still got a lot of work to do. We still got a lot of work to do in this household. Yeah. We're coming a bit behind. 2020. I'm like, listen. Yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I would say, I would say celebration. I finished my first year as a professor. So that's pretty good. Well, congratulations to you. You know. We live in, I'm gonna stay in there forever. I ain't leaving. <laughs> you trying to get tenure? 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 Did I say it right? Tenure? Yeah, tenure. May as well. Shoot. Ain't going nowhere. May as well just sit around and get tenure. But don't y'all kind of feel like the school year is incomplete though? Like, it was like without warning, our kids were sent home to us as parents um, and to teachers to serve them remotely, and everybody was unprepared. Like I said a couple weeks ago, I don't think the teachers were prepared uh, to be technologists and to be, you know, distant learning professors. And the parents were not prepared to be homeschool teachers. So I feel like we just kind of got through. We, 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 we rolled it out till, you know, they said the school year was over. But really, at the end of the day, like, did our kids really get what they needed to get at the end of the year? That's why I say redo. And I would also say incomplete. It just feels like we just, we just did what we needed to do to get to the end of the school year, but we really didn't do what we needed to do. I think our kids are still lacking. Um, they're even talking, I don't know what they're saying in Texas, but here in Alabama, they're saying that um, should the students return to the campus for 2021, the whole first nine weeks at least has to be dedicated to remediation, has to be dedicated to the things that they were supposed to learn in the last nine weeks. So the first nine weeks here back on campus will actually be the last nine weeks the kids were supposed to get had they been on campus um, for the end of 2019-2020. But there's the thing, that's if they come back to campuses. Because some school districts, some states are saying, their kids are not coming back to school. And some people are saying, hey, we better get prepared for this distant learning model because that might be the new way that we educate. Yeah, I heard about that too, where they were saying that um, let the kids that really need the extra help, like dyslexic and, you know, 
all the other ESL and, you know, stuff like that. And there's so, uh, certain poverty or whatever kids that don't have the laptops and stuff like that. They were saying that they should have those kids come to school like two days out of the week and then the other ones can stay home and like switch off. I, I, I have it. I forgot where it is, but I can probably show it to you. And they were, did they some other person. That sounds so inequitable. Why would they do it? Like how you, how, right now I'm already like, whoa, what do we mean? Like here in Jefferson County, the Jefferson County schools are saying everybody is going to come back and be remediated because how do you sit in a classroom and you go, you didn't have a laptop over the summer, you didn't have, and then you, you, you isolate or you differentiate and say, oh, and you lived over in the project and you, your mama said that she didn't have internet. So now we, like, why can't you, because then now you have kids that are feeling called out. Like that. I'm just telling you, that's what they said. They were talking about purchasing laptops and issuing the laptops to those kids that didn't have them. Yeah, it was, was it Houston District? I, I don't yeah. know, I forgot the district, but it had the list you, of all the things that they were talking about from the superintendent, they were all talking. I guess this this would be a question for the parents. This is a question for the parents, like, would you send your child to a school with no vaccine for coronavirus? Me as a mom, I'm not gonna lie, I am really contemplating it no lie it is a difficult uh situation because um you can only control your household and you can't mm -hmm. control what other people are doing so and and other people have people at home who have underlying health issues um don't have the resources there's already a health disparity yeah. so yeah. it is something that you know we have to consider uh, when looking back, because we know that the virus is impacting certain communities harder than others, you know, and that's not to say that, you know, I, I want to keep, we want to keep our kids at home, but it also comes hand in hand with the health issue, the safety issue of the larger picture of how can we ensure that my child and anybody's child is healthy to even learn, you know? That should be the number one concern for them. Districts shouldn't be putting parents in this situation. And the government shouldn't be putting districts in this situation. And the federal government shouldn't be putting local states and local and districts forward. We should be at the point where we have one accord as a country, we could say, stay at home. I know right you're a big advocate have, to stay at home. I know you're a big advocate. We, have, <laughs> we got a thousand different opinions though now. And it's a lot of different things and a lot of different, I know different states are different, but you know, like I said, if I was gonna go, like, you know, my campus is opening up in June where I'm working and my mom said, well, what are you going to do? I said, well, I, I, I have to go. I'm not going to. I wish they would tell me I have to go. <laughs> that's just what I say, but that's my prerogative as a professional. But they're going to have to figure out what they're going to do because I'm not going. And I'm going to tell them that for one reason is that I'm not going to catch coronavirus because they're not going to be able to save me from it. And if they can't do it, then I'm not going to do it. So they don't give me health insurance enough to life insurance enough to cover all that stuff. So I'm gonna keep myself safe. That's because I prioritize living. Now, if I prioritize money, then it'd be a different story. So no tenure for you. 
if they tell me I gotta come back. If they tell me, no, let me say this. If they tell me, because I'm there now, but if they say I have to go to a classroom with 30 kids just to see them with the mask on so I can teach them face to face, I'm gonna say I'm gonna go somewhere else. But Are you gonna Tupac hologram it there? Tupac hologram it? Yeah, I'll put, hey, they can be in the room. I'll be uh, at the yeah. crib. So so you project yourself. To it to <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I ain't taking no chance. Harrison, somebody suggested that, that like the teachers come to their classroom and teach from their classroom and they set up, mm. you know, whatever to, to record them and the students mm. log in from their own individual homes and that there's more accountability. Um, from a teacher standpoint, where actually, like the students have to log in at a certain time, like you're re yeah. recording the class, they kind of do attendance. Everybody's there. They get started, and they're they're filming them. Now, I would be okay with that, but like what you said a moment ago, trusting that parents aren't going to send their kids to school sick when they already see the school. To already do. They gonna send them sick or not because they got to go to work and they got to get Bobby out the house. You know, and look, you gotta go, you gotta school. You gotta go to school. So I think I don't think we can trust parents to to keep their kids at home if they're not healthy. They're gonna send those kids to school sick. So I don't even think coming back to school should even be a, a, a topic of consideration. I, I I agree with you. Karen could probably uh, agree with this. When they send a kid to school sick in the morning, that kid ain't going home until after lunch. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> or a little bit right before, not, yeah, not after well, they've been through all. Korea, I think is it South Korea or Korea, whichever school did, you saw the Korea, the Koreans went back to school, right? And you see Sorry, how man. they go back to school with the temperature check, the sanitizer, the you know the thing, how they do it. You know, somebody sent that to me. And they were like, "Oh, look what they're doing," and I was like, "You know what? We in America. Oh, that's so nice, Danielle. She's just the sweetest. She don't talk much, but she's the sweetest." <laughs> I'd like to say we don't let her talk. Danielle, it's your turn. We'll be quiet. Tell us how you feel. I do. I be pausing for a long time. Like I don't want a dead air, so I just sit there. Oh, me too. Me too. Ah, you doing that? I graduated twenty years ago. Shout out to class two thousand. Well, that's What's us. We're not even gonna have our thing. Twenty I'm years so ago. Sad. It's yeah, exactly. everything gets canceled. Pre-K graduation, kindergarten graduation, eighth grade graduation, high school graduation, college graduation, guys. So if you're graduating, we just want to say we love you. We're proud of you. you Class of 2020, you made it. It was some, you know, unique, unique situation, but you did it. Exactly. Just like class of 2000 was all like, oh my God, the first class was two zero 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 zero. Look how wonderful it is graduating that time. Now yeah. it's like 2020. Y'all have something we're talking about. The vision is yeah. clear, but hey. And, and it really brings this big question of, you know, sometimes I used to always tell my students like, and they used to sometimes even ask me like, man people fought for the civil rights you know there was a, a purpose you know like miss mccarty what, what what are we doing like where is something we're fighting for we have something now is look right in your lap there is something that that is calling us that especially from 
I think the entire school year from 1920 that we can look back and this has given us the opportunity to redesign, re-examine, re-look, redo, like Andrea said, in order to say, how can we move forward to close the gaps? Now that we have the opportunity to, it is the time right now, perfect timing. The universe has opened it up because we can't go in and really just change the traditional education system, but we can start with the mindsets of the leaders, the uh, policies, the perspectives, the focus on equity. Absolutely. This is, you know, this is the time. This is the time, like I, I was watching a couple of other, my mentors in education, we can't go back to that same school. We can't go back to where kids are getting kicked out of classroom for minor discipline issues. We can't go back to classrooms where special ed students are neglected. We can't go back to rows and chairs and where we have everybody just doing it. You know, the same old school, that's not gonna work. We cannot do that. So this is a time for change. And so, you know, right now we got great minds on this podcast. When you start thinking, what is a new school gonna look like? And what is it going to feel like to get the best out of the students? And I think that's a great topic too next week to dive into is what will schools look like in August? And I really want to have that thought conversation, um, that innovative minds to come together. And we ask everyone to join in on the conversation as well. If you could create a school, you know, and, and think too, minus coronavirus, because we've had issues prior to that we have to address. Just in closing gaps with, you know, there's disability gaps, tech gaps, there's kids committing suicide at high rates. These, these are all things that were pre-COVID that are now going to magnify themselves. So we really have to start taking a look at that and what schools need, may need to offer, may need to address, may need to confront as we start having that conversation this summer and then going into the 2021 school year. So I thank you guys for this conversation. I know we did not get to how to raise a kind kid. We will definitely get to that conversation next week because we want to start really having that conversation about what people can do in the classroom, what you can do in your everyday life, what we can do as parents to continue to raise kids who are considerate, who are kind, um, and who are equitable um, so that they all have opportunities to succeed. So it's been a wonderful week. Thank you. We hope you stay positive, stay healthy, and stay safe. Let's say bye, guys. Bye. Bye. See y'all next week Bye. on a Tuesday. Hello, fellow barrier breakers and all listeners that are tuned in. We're so thankful for you listening and supporting our journey as we embark on the road to equity. Remember to tune in, and if you have suggestions, comments, or reviews, we appreciate them more than you know. Interact with us on Facebook. We have a Facebook group called Hashtag Barrier Breakers. Follow us on social media. We're empowering others to share their story. MK Results LLC. Until next Tuesday, be sure to listen in each week to our podcast available on all podcast platforms. Simply search The Road to Equity. New podcast out weekly. Visit www.mkresultsllc.com for more information.